Hello, and welcome once again to the How Long To Beat podcast. Hold it! <gasps> it is my turn today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How Long To Beat podcast. I'm your host, Paula, joined by Rick and Alex, and in this week's episode, we'll talk, as always, about the games we've beaten, retired, and been playing. On today's topic, we'll discuss whether or not games have been going downhill lately, we'll answer a question from the forums, and then we'll finish this episode off with everyone's favorite game, say it would be... How, how long, long to beat the game? The game. Oh, so close. We were all That's on the how long to beat It was good. <laughs> well, before we start, you already know this. There's something up here. These two fine gentlemen are now under my spell. <laughs> and to escape the magic cage they've been placed in, they must fulfill one condition. To play and complete an Otome game of their choice. <laughs> okay, there's actually like no magic cage here yet. But we'll be playing some Otome games this one. So welcome everyone to Otome. <laughs> and yes, I did come up with that pun. And yes, you're all welcome. Yeah, one of your few good ones. Wow. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's the last month based pun you're getting out of me. <laughs> oh, <Dear> no. me. <laughs> yeah. So next month, Rick and I are going to be playing. I believe we're going to be playing the same game, right? Um, yes. Psychedelica of the Ashen Hawk, I believe is what it's called. <laughs> Um, or that, did one. yeah okay I didn't miss part of the name no, that, right um, so we're going to be playing exactly this and we're going to indulge Paula for a month <laughs> and who knows hey, look, I'm ready to fall in love with some anime boyfriends I'm just saying like <laughs> I'm so looking forward to this I'll be playing uh, alongside this too because this is one of my favorite games and I just noticed like looking uh, on the art book that I have now I don't remember much of like the details so I'm um, all in for experiencing this one again and if anyone wants to play along with us next month uh, not only is it available on vita island uh, but it's also got a steam port i mm. think it's on switch as well or am i making that up I'm making that up rick I'm making it that is up. on uh, steam okay. yeah. yeah i it defer is. to the expert in the field yeah so play along <laughs> with us and find out i personally i have a strong feeling that my little bisexual heart's going to enjoy this game because they're very <laughs> they're not they're they're very they're gendered, I suppose, but let's be honest here. If you look at those little uh, little anime boys, it's kind of like, who knows? Are they men? Are they women? I don't know. And that's exactly where I want to be. That's the my exact niche. <laughs> that is the magic of pretty boys. Wow. <laughs> exactly, the magic of... <laughs> Sorry, that... In, in a segue, I've got a Narita bone to pick with you. Oh, oh. All right, enough pretty boys. Let's get on to what we've beaten then. <laughs> Let's go on to the serious shit. So mm-hmm. I beat Narita Boy last week. I think I beat it literally a couple of hours after we stopped recording. Mm. You've been very unfair to this game. No, Alex, I have as not. Far as I'm perfectly concerned. fair. You absolutely have. <laughs> the game is excellent. And oh. I want to preface this. Anyone, anyone who listened last Uh-oh. week will have heard Alex complain about this one enemy that ruins the whole game. That turns up every five. Terrible, and this that turns up every five <laughs> minutes and stops the flow of everything and completely derails you. I played like another hour, hadn't hit the point, and I literally messaged him saying, "What? What? What is this enemy? Have I have I found it yet? Am I waiting? What's going on?" It's not that bad. <laughs> it really isn't. It appears like three times total. Yeah. To be fair, I never said for every five minutes. I said when this boss appears, it interrupts the flow. You implied. 
No, I did not. Listen, you absolutely here's did. what I'm going to say about this. That, that I, I despise any enemy in any game where the way you beat the enemy is wait. I just hate that shit. I just, I can't stand it where it's just like, you got to wait through the sequence. It's like Ocarina of Time when they're like, there's a bunch of these enemies like Stalfos and stuff who just like, you got to sit there with your shield and you're like, wait, 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 wait. And it hits the thing and you're like, okay, got it. It's not tough. It's just time consuming, you know? And it it's got mentally to tough. Nerves. You've got to choose your moment. Ugh, not even really, because the moment's really obvious. It's like, wait till he goes charge, 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 jump, woof, launch over him, hit, hit, hit. And then you're like, okay, I got to wait another fucking minute until he does it again. I'm just like, can't handle it. I hate it. I don't like this game. It wasn't an issue. <laughs> it wasn't an issue. And, and ultimately, where I fell on the game as a whole. And mm-hmm. and I think I was maybe, and we've touched on this a couple of times, I was probably more disposed to like it than you were anyway. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a decent game at the core whose aesthetics and world building elevated it to something much better than it probably has a right to be. So mm-hmm. I gave it an 8 out of 10. If you've got Game Pass, absolutely go and give it a go. Just be warned, and I suppose this is a minor spoiler, it sort of annoyed me that at the end they basically stole the Back to the Future ending. Yeah. It's yes, they did. It's basically that's what it is. It, it felt like they had every opportunity to wrap a neat bow around it, and then they could always come back to it if they wanted to. But they had to go and sequel bait it, and I, I wasn't a fan of that. And I know you weren't a fan of the narrative on the whole. I thought it was a bit weak. I didn't necessarily have any problems with it. But yeah. well, I, my issue with so hold on, skip here if you don't want to know. Spoilers to Narita Boy, which doesn't matter but anyway um not especially but yeah <laughs> yeah the whole story is weak and, and the story is basically framed around the concept of like the tortured dude um as like this like you know programmer in the 80s and he's like basically he was like a cult leader and just kind of like a shitty guy and like <laughs> the whole story is essentially just framed around you're like his son reuniting with him basically and like him being like i'm sorry for the mistakes that i made but not really i'm not a huge fan of these narratives that kind of they they often feel like they excuse just like shit behavior um as like oh in childhood bad things but not even that much and then it's like i never learned as i grew up and i'm like ah yeah yeah so it's like i don't know i just feel way less sympathetic i guess as i'm listening through it and like not to like denounce you know obviously shit happens when you're young and stuff but it's just like in his adult i'm like trying to dance around this a little bit but like as an adult he basically just seems to ignore any issues i guess i don't know i don't have fully formed thoughts on this it's just i never really liked these narratives um because they always feel a little, um, they feel like they want to dig into stuff that's very deep and very real and very um, important, I would say. But then they just sort of gloss over all of it. And it it feels like slightly exploitative, I guess, of like um, mental health issues. Because that's kind of what this thing was trying to imply, that he's got like mental health um that he's dealing with mental health and then it puts him into like this idea that he's a cult leader and stuff and that like oh it's because he has this obsessive computer th- it just it, it didn't sit right with me we'll put it that way there was a lot of red yeah. flags. you know what i mean um, i i read it as grief more than mental health but i think the problem is and, and you're sort of touching on this a little bit i just don't think they were equipped to go where they were trying to go because the, yeah. the cult thing was like well why has he started a cult because the story needs to happen and then yes. and then it jumped the shark with the whole like you're my actual son and you were always going to save me from like this pit of despair that i found myself in and and it did feel like they'd sort of got an end they'd got a start it's like shit how do we get from a to b 
Yeah, that's actually, yes, thank you. That's much better way of like, summing it up, honestly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like my issue is just that, like you're saying, it's like they touch on all of these separate things that in and of themselves are valid, but then the way they're cobbled together, you're like, none of these are deeply explored. They're all surface level and they all feel disingenuous. Um, and so. they're in the perfect place to not have to touch it because it's like, it's the 80s. Mad yeah. computer shit happens. You didn't need to do anything. Right? Like, I was like, this game didn't have to be like <laughs> oh this. God. Like, it could have just been stupid. And I would have loved it even more, you know? But I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's still like, an 8 out of 10. Yeah, 6 for me. But that's still not a bad game. It's just, I didn't like it. We can meet in the middle <laughs> at 7. 7's a respectable score. 7's a respectable score. <laughs> yeah, the median is 7. So 7 is fine, right? <laughs> There you go. Sorry, I don't know why. I'm um, I, I, this is exam week for me. My brain's a little mushy today, so sorry, listeners. You're going to get a lot of weird anecdotes from Alex. <laughs> I'm sure that's what we've come to expect over, what, 27 episodes? This is yeah, this is like the second ridiculous <laughs> band now that we're into, which is mental. Yeah, so Nari's Boy is great. Go and give it a check out. Um, I then played, and this is the, I think, third to last in my Cecile Richard back catalogue adventure, uh, Crow Crime, A Murder Mystery, which Paula played a few weeks ago it's fine i the best part about it was the title pun honestly mm. for me and i <laughs> i think that's just because there was such a high bar set with nirvana and endless scroll and mm. um under a, a star called sun and then you come to this quirky thing where it's like you're a, a crow gumshoe trying to work out who stole the cake and I, i'm just sort of primed to expect a lot more and i think that's on me more than it is on what is a free browser muck around and and I I can't really be too harsh on it in that context. I don't think. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I mean, I get where you're coming from because I'm coming from the same place. So Crocodile uh, was a little bit underwhelming to me as well. Underwhelming is exactly the word. But go check it out. Like you know, what have you got to lose except a couple of minutes of time? You'd waste those on Twitter anyway. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the next one I played, and this is one uh, that I know you're going to be interested to hear the thoughts on, Paula, uh, is Synergia for the Vita. So this is uh, a new VN by Top Hat Studios. Uh, it got a Vita port, was physical only, which is how I got it. And by the time this recording comes out, um, this episode comes out rather, it will be released digitally as well. So it's on Vita, Switch, PS4, PS5, Steam. It's a tricky one. So the art is good. The music is excellent and the one thing that softens the blow of just how much i spent on on a physical of a game that you can get for nine pounds on steam uh is the fact that it comes with a physical soundtrack mm. and the soundtrack is lovely it's really nice sort of ambient blade runner reminiscent what's is something beginning with v whoever it is that did the soundtrack for blade runner it's very reminiscent of that without being a cheap hey remember blade runner like it, it's good music in its own right that's variations on that theme and in parts, the story goes to some really interesting places and there's little sort of vignettes where you're like, oh, this is actually quite interesting and you sort of engage with the conversations that these people are having. But broad brush, it drops the ball. The story doesn't really go anywhere. So it's to contrast with Narita Boy, there is no A or B, or, or at least there is, but it doesn't really feel like the two are connected at all. Mm. It, you don't feel like there's really much of an arc for any of the characters. No one really develops or grows nothing changes in an appreciable way in terms of the story that they show you. And yes, it's an indie studio, but then if, if you can't nail what, what you're wanting to do, then, you know, set your expectations lower, set what you're aiming for somewhere more realistic. I think I would still recommend it. 
because if you're getting it digitally, it's relatively cheap. It is interesting. I did enjoy my time with it. It's quite short. So to see both endings and the epilogue, it took in the region of five or six hours. But uh, I think unless you are a genre fan already, it's probably not a good place to jump in, Hmm. if that makes sense. But I did have a good time with it. I think I gave it a seven. And to be fair, Paolo, I think it's the kind of thing that you would jive with, especially because it's it's a little bit different to the your time is that you'd normally play with. Very different setting, very different cast of characters, that same VN goodness. And it was good, so I, I don't want to come across too harsh. I did enjoy my time with it. It's just, uh, it felt like it was it was reaching for the moon and it, it sort of missed the stars on the way down, which Ouch. is kind of sad. Yeah, I, it's hard to both be frank about how I felt about it and not be like unduly harsh. Like it, it was okay, but it wasn't good or great. It's fine. We have no influence anyway, so we can be honest. I'm, I'm just digging. <laughs> I, I can't get it to land softer than it already has. Anyway, and then in a complete change of pace, the last game that I beat, and I actually beat this this morning, uh, was Metal Slug 3 nice. for the Vita, which is an interesting one. So it's the last of the three that SNK did before they went bankrupt. It is also by far the most bonkers of the ones that had come out to date. Uh, I'm talking fighting an alien as you're both falling from the sky. I'm talking your friend is like in a clone pod and you're fighting his clones who keep spawning out of the fucking ceiling and the the living walls while you're trying to free him from this pod. I do feel like it's maybe a little bit too much, though, which is odd to say of a game that maybe runs you just over an hour for, for a playthrough. The last level alone is like 25 minutes long. And bearing in mind this is an arcade game, there are some cheap moments and for as much of a good time as I had with the game and I did have a really good time with it I found myself screaming at my Vita more than I I have for any other game in recent memory Mm. so in in terms of the ones I've played because I'm I'm playing through them all piecemeal um I've played one two but like the original two not the x sort of director's cut thing that they did three and the first of the two Neo Geo pocket games and I think it falls about on par with two I personally, I don't think this is a common opinion, but I actually think one is better than two and three, just because it's a little more singular in its vision. It's a little bit cleaner. And that unified vision means more than than what's added and then taken away from in the sequels, mm. which isn't to say they're not good. The sequels are excellent as well. But that that's where I sit on it. The beauty is now, if you want to play them, you can get the anthology collection for PSP or a PSP emulator, which can run on a smart fridge at this point. And you can play one through six. You can emulate the Neo Geo Pocket ones on PSP as well. And that that's like the majority of the franchise for free. So I would I would very much recommend going in and checking those out. Or I think they're on Android as well and PC if you really want to sort of throw money at SNK Play More. Nice. So yeah, that's all the stuff I've beaten. Unless we're counting books, which I think you're trying to, Alex. <laughs> well, hold on. So why, don't, why don't we go there next? <laughs> You want, you want me to go next? Yeah. Well, I haven't beaten I do. any That games. was my segue for yeah, you. Yeah, thanks. I haven't beaten any games at all this week. Um, I'm Like I mentioned, I'm doing exams. This whole week was just like essays and tests, and it was just hell. So I didn't play a whole lot, but I actually finished reading the Final Fantasy V book um, that Chris Kohler wrote, the one on um, from Boss Fight Books, which I think people, like, I, I just wanted to mention it because I think 
people would be interested at least because it's it's very good and it kind of made me want to beat the game again. like i was like maybe i should play it again but i'm like no i think i'm good um it's got some really great interviews with the creators of the game with sakaguchi and and company and it's just like i don't know it's a really nice meditation on final fantasy 5 because like final fantasy 5 in japan oftentimes like you know when people are asked like what are your like top three favorite like snes games it's usually in the top three and like you ask people in like outside of japan what are your favorite SNES games? Final Fantasy V doesn't exist. It's basically like off the list. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know. It's just fascinating to see the the parallel ways of like how how incredibly popular that game got there and, and it's sort of the way it's forgotten here, um, which makes playing it kind of neat. You're sort of like, oh, you're sort of playing this kind of almost hidden gem of a way. And it was nice to see that he mentioned that the Game Boy Advance version is definitely the best like official translation for sure. Um, though a lot of people still love the fan translation because, you know, nostalgia for some. But yeah, I don't know. It was really good. So anyway, that, that was something I did. And then I also watched Mortal Kombat because... <laughs> Is that the new one or the, <laughs> the old new one? one? The new I one. I know there's a new one. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, well, you know, here's the deal. I never do this, but I was a nice consumer this time and I rented it because I was like, you know what? I kind of want them to make more of these because I, I knew going in, I was like, I bet you this is going to be mediocre at best but it's got some intense action sequences. So like, I want them to keep making more of them. (laughs) And so I rented it and I watched it and exactly that's what it was. Listen, if you watch this movie, for the love of God, please be drunk or high because it is 100% significantly better in that state of mind i'm just saying it's a it's a stupid movie it's a really stupid movie like there are lines in that movie that are just so bad and like the main actor oh bless his bless his soul but that dude can almost act like it's just it was like it was it was rough man it was action movie acting you know like that sort of thing where it's like but i have to protect my family i have no choice stay away. I'll be back. You know, like it's that kind of like really just like, you know, that like really dry, like there's like no emotion on the face, but he's a good fighter. So like, that's fine. Um, my only kind of gripe with the movie is like they introduced this new guy. Um, so he's like, he's not a Mortal Kombat character. He's like the son or like the descendant of Scorpion basically. And okay. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get why they did this. I mean, he was, he's fine. But, like, I was like, there are so many Mortal Kombat characters. You could have just picked one and done whatever you want. You know what I mean? But I guess they were probably like, ah, we want to sort of introduce him into new games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, put her stamp on it. It did make me want to play a Mortal Kombat game. So, I mean, I guess that was a success. Uh, and I will say it's probably worth it just for all the scenes with Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Because genuinely, those scenes are fucking awesome. Like, real freaking cool shit they do some of this like horror movie stuff with sub-zero where like things are suddenly turning into ice and like you're just kind of like oh god what's about to happen and he just kind of he's like this you know ethereal assassin and it yeah it's a good time so i recommend it if i honestly say it's like a three out of five give it that you know it's solid down the middle <laughs> that is like at least two points more than i thought that movie would get from anybody yeah right so. now in letterbox it has like a 2.7 2.8 so like most people are giving it like the two two and a half range it is a functioning movie like it's not <laughs> that's high praise <laughs> but i mean like it actually is like <laughs> put that on the back of the box back of the box right. the movie functions alex 5101 yeah, it's not actually like tough to watch though like it moves pretty quickly and kano is hilarious in it like he is the highlight by far um and it's genuinely very funny are, are either of you gonna watch this one do you not even slightly. No. 
Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, that's what I thought. Well, I like Mortal I'm Kombat. I'm glad you liked it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paolo, what do Paolo, you mean? I don't know about the audience, but I've been waiting with bated breath to find out how Picross E4 is. Mm, yes. <laughs> it is Picross, end of story. Okay, no, like, nice. it is an improvement a little bit over the previous entries, mainly because of how they separate the puzzles. Like, before they did, like, an easy mode and then a normal mode and then, like, weird shit. So they pretty much have, like, this one big section with all the normal Picross. Then they have a couple of micros and then they end up with the macros which by the way they were like so much better explained in this version of the game so i actually enjoyed them this time around uh so yeah that's picross before for you the other game that i've written is for a secret the mystery of the Flo- mystery of the frost and that is like kind of like a sequel such dlc to the original that i mentioned in our each io extravaganza uh, mm-hmm. and uh, this one is like a very good follow-up because like you go back into the place you you were in the previous game but everything is frozen over and you pretty much have to navigate the world and this little dungeon that has some really clever puzzles to pretty much like restore the world to a more sunny weather and Pretty much like uh, help uh, all the characters you met in the first game or part of the game. It is uh, also pretty like in Itayo, you probably like can access it like right after like finishing the game. And yeah, it, it takes like an hour of your time. So if you like the first one, keep this one the time of the day. Is it one where you like definitely need to play the first one before you come to this? I recommend playing the first one mainly because. Everything you did in the first game will be like recorded and remembered in the in the sequel. Okay. You actually like keep your inventory. Very cool. For a bra- but, is it a download or is it a browser? I was gonna say for a browser game, that is pretty cool. Um it, I think it's a download. At least I have to download it because my internet provider doesn't really like me playing stuff on itch.io. Oh yeah, you play through the app, don't you? Yeah. Yep. Um my final completion for this little episode is called Realize Wintertime Miracles. And I think like to I need to put this in a little bit of a perspective because this is like the third game in a series. And I don't think I've like uh talk about like Garden of River, like actually giving the summary of the game. Uh so if you indulge me a little bit, if you let me do this, <laughs> always right? are we good in time? Go to town, you always. got your notes, you're ready to grow. <laughs> Okay, so let's go. Who am I? What am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? Love by no one, needed by no one. If my existence holds no meaning, then why am I here? Those are the opening words that set the scene in God Realized Guardian of Rebirth. The game protagonist, Cardia, awaits one day in our room completely alone and with no memories, except for her father's words telling her not to leave the mansion because she's a monster. Two years pass by and uh, she gets taken away from that mansion. The reason why she is considered a monster is because uh, she produces like these poisons, such toxin, 
uh, and everything that comes into contact with her body uh, pretty much is melted away or uh, are perishes. Over the course of the game, as I say, Carly is taken away from the mansion by uh, this gentleman thief character, and alongside five other people, goes on a quest to find her father and hopefully recover her lost memories and get rid of the poison that is corrupting her body. That is like the overall picture, which is, by the way, pretty good um, place to start your Otome adventures because of how everything is set up. On Future Blessings, which is the first fan disc of the game, oh, oh, sorry, on Future Blessings, which is the first fan disc of the series, uh, you pretty much pick up where um, the five endings of the original game left off. Uh, and you get like two new routes that branch off from the original's turning point. So you get like two extra characters that are Sherlock and Phoenix. And, and a side story that takes place during the common uh, route where like this main group runs into a conflict between the local mafia, that is the Gordon family, and the Italian mafia, that is the Crudele family. This game has no impact whatsoever over the first game, and you pretty much need to play the first game to fully enjoy this one. Hmm. And the same can be said about Winter Miracles, which is the second fan disc, and for now it is the final game of the Cold Realized trilogy. And it has a lot of content, like a lot of content. Okay, you get this side story, which introduces Cantarella, a very famous songstress whom Cardia quickly becomes friends with. And Cantarella also becomes like the target of this uh, mask guy that claims that she is like the songstress of the legends or the fatal soundtrack, depending on the version you're playing. And this story in particular, it was really fun, and without like going to uh, too much of a spoiler, the way her story like kind of ties up to the original game, it, it is genius. I really loved what they did with this character. The sad thing is that you don't really see her again after this uh, little side story. The other thing that this game includes is a sequel story for the. Uh, other characters that were introduced in the previous game that are all shown some finis. And then you have, and this is like one of the, the most favorite parts for the Atomic community, you have like these what if scenarios that are like pretty much Christmas stories. Um, that are like first day during Christmas because um, in Japan actually Christmas is more of a couple's holiday rather than a family holiday. Hmm. Hmm. And they were like pretty f uh, fluffy. They are like purely there for fan service because, well, Atome. And then you have like 13 mini stories starring whatever character you're choosing, literally. And the one thing that was added to the Switch version that wasn't on the previously Vita and PS4 versions are like these seven seaside episodes, aka the which episode in any anime or Japanese video game you could ever try to play or watch. And I kind of, I found it like kind of funny because this, uh, this fan disc was supposed to be like the winter fan disc. Just and then you have that, like yeah. the beach episode. Oh, and you have like the five special epilogues for the five main guys, like from the first game. It is kind of convoluted trying to explain it without like going into too much 
drop it video. But yeah, like this, I recommend like for any good realize um fan out there. And I've seen like many people vlogging or reviewing this game. Actually, said that this is what uh, future blessings should have been. Hmm. And I kind of agree with that because I found this case like for the fans. It's not like a proper sequel. So, so yeah, like if you like the guys from Code Realize Winter Time Miracles, it is a beautiful place to be. And I don't think it is required to play the future blessings unless you want to see like the two other routes, like in more detail. So, yeah, nice. That is, um, my super preview on Winter Time Miracles for now. So right. moving on to what everyone has been has retired recently. I think this is our Rick section now. Yeah. You can call it what everyone's Rick tired this week because it is just me. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. fine. Yeah, I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> so I've got two retirements this week. Uh, the first one is the original Strider. So, obviously, Alex and I played Strider 2 mm-hmm. on the PlayStation last week, and that was a two-disc release. So, it also came with a copy of the original Strider. And by two-disc, I mean the, the version that I had on my PSP. You could switch between the two discs on that. There were no physical <laughs> pieces of media involved in my playthrough. Strider 1 is an arcade port, and it has all of the negatives that come with that, and I didn't really see any positives. So, it's ugly as sin. It's cheap as sin, and it's just boring to, to the modern sensibility. Maybe if you played it in the early 80s, be like, whoa, there's a ninja in the city, and he's, ah! But no, it, it did nothing for, for 2021, Rick. Yeah. So that lasted all of three minutes for me. I did the opening of that, too, when I was trying to get Strider 2, and then I realized it was Strider 1, and I was like, this is just, I don't like this. <laughs> and then once I got to Strider 2, I was like, you realized oh, that's this is cool. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, now I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, so if, if anyone does try the uh, the eBoot version of this or like the digital version, you have to switch to disc two because cleverly for the Strider 2 release, and I understand why they've done it because Strider 1, disc 1, Strider 2, disc 2, but it's not particularly intuitive for you as the end user. So yeah. that's a thing. The other one is Freedom Wars. So I stopped playing this on Vita to play Synergia. And when I booted it back up, I played a couple more missions and it is effectively what I'd said for a few weeks, which is this isn't for me. Like mm. that genre doesn't work for me. It's like putting the greatest cheesecake in front of a lactose intolerant person. It's just not gonna work. So <laughs> you'll eat it, but it won't taste good coming out. <laughs> Literally, yeah. So and and the further you go through, it's clear that there's an emphasis on really getting into the nitty-gritty of the crafting system mm. which is on timers which is kind of unforgivable for a, a, a premium game yeah so so what they do is you have like it's a little bit like what they do in peace walker although in peace walker it didn't feel egregious in the slightest and i don't really know why maybe it's because that game was actually more fun but mm. you have like facilities that you set up to upgrade this sword or manufacture a new piece of equipment or make some healing items or develop an augmentation. And when you set them up, they have like a a real world amount of time that they count down before they're done. Mm -hmm. And you can add people into them to speed that up. But it just felt like an extra layer of abstraction that wasn't in the slightest bit necessary. 
it also feels the more you go through that there's an expectation you'll be playing with people who are smarter than a rock, which the AI isn't. And I don't have the people around me or the the drive to find people online because there is a community thriving around it. There's a Discord. There's stuff going on. I couldn't be asked to set it all up. I I, I wasn't bothered enough yeah. about the experience to make it work to get through to the end because that's all I was going to do. I was just going to get through the story. That game and and the story starts to take a backseat anyway. Like it has like yeah. I mean it, it was relatively popular in NA as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like. But clearly, for, for that kind of community, especially if you're someone who'd started on PSP and gone straight to Vita, Monster Hunter's jump ship to the 3DS. Mm. So you need that fix. Freedom Wars comes along as a first party. Perfect time. Interesting new setting. Same kind of gameplay you're expecting. Right. It was primed to be a success for that audience. I'm just not that audience. And it's a it's really well put together game. The visuals, as much as you have a problem with like cookie cutter <laughs> anime visuals... I thought the visuals in this, in the Panopticon and the way the monsters are set up and everything else were really great. It controls really well. Uh, it, it's a great showcase for, for the dual sticks on the Vita. I should clarify, I guess. I don't actually have a problem with the anime style per se. It's just when it's paired with the like really basic kind of like, you know, like hack and slash mechanics that you see in some of those. I think that's where I have more of the issue with it. Um, but yeah, it, it's more in, in UI and um when they're all sort of the same like the u the ui for me in some of those anime games are kind of the same because like look the anime aesthetic is fine like i obviously don't mind it it's freaking it's anime but do you know what i mean i don't know i don't want to get, get into this again but but there's basically there's a type of ui i'll try to find some examples to show you what i mean but it's just like i just can't handle it i don't know why just everyone at home this is alex taking the bait <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> got me again uh, <laughs> while, while you've got the stage why don't you tell us about what you've been playing because that's all my retirement oh stuff. nice okay yes let's move on to what i've been playing uh still playing kind of all the same things i was playing last week but uh, i haven't really been touching lufia the legend returns uh and everhood as much just because um i've just been busy i did play a little more of everhood actually and and it's it's quite good i really do enjoy that i think it's um it's got some neat stuff that it's playing with. I really don't know where it's going and I'm not sure if I care in the sense that like, I think it's okay that I don't know where it's going. Um, it's kind of walking that fine line. Well, playing more of gravity rush, still fun. Like you said, it's just a solid, like it's just a, it's a good game, you know, like um, it's the quintessential seven out of 10. Yeah. It's, fun for what it is i highly recommend if you play it to do it in bursts they have all this stuff in it where it's like hey you can go do this time attack to get more things and i'm like nah fucker i'm doing this main story and that's it like you know <laughs> i was like i don't want any of these frills just send me to the next main mission like i'm playing it as a pretty linear game uh which the nice thing is that it doesn't handicap you for doing that like it gives you enough to move through the story without forcing you to like go get stuff and this is possibly foreshadowing for when we get to the topic, because if that game comes out today, it's got a bullshit RPG um, level up system that mm. it doesn't need in the back end and you're progression gated. Yeah. And what, what's nice about that game, because functionally the, the, the combat and the, the movement and everything else doesn't change a lot mm -hmm. from the start to the end. That's partly why, and I completely agree with you, it's a game that's best played in bursts. Mm -hmm. But it's also why if, if that had that kind of progression system that wanted you to try and see more of it than you wanted to, it would really kill the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Momentum yeah. of the game. Yeah, like if you had to go and like grind, oh God, yeah, it would be a nightmare. Uh. Having said that, I did everything. 
I even you? I even got nice. I even got the DLC oh and did like all nine of the DLC missions that come with the costumes and the everything else. Oh wow, nice. But okay. uh I I really vibed with that game when it came out. As much as I agree it's fine. Yeah. But it it, it came at the right place at the right time for me. Yeah. It's um, there if you want. Yeah, sorry, I've completely right? No, yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I've completely derailed you. <laughs> yeah, but like that's the thing with the game. Like if you want to do all of that stuff, they've got they have stuff for you to do. Like they're like there are things for you to play and mess around with. And if you want to just go through the story, like they don't stop you. So, um I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Uh playing more Halo 3. Man, we had an up and down with this game this week. Um, I will say, someone mentioned this too in the Discord, and I really agree with them. The Master Chief Collection, for some goddamn reason, won't, like, you can only play co-op from the start of the mission to the end of the mission. There's no drop-in co-op, which I know probably it was never designed to have it, so, like, it might have been, they probably looked into it, and it was like, no, like, it's just more of a technological nightmare. But the thing that does bother me is that they don't even save your progress through it. So anyway, that just that just picks me off a little bit, but it's fine because it encourages us to play it like one mission at a time and the missions aren't that long. So it's like not that big of a deal. Like we've never had a problem where we wanted to stop before a mission. So it kind of makes it so that we're playing them. We're like halfway through Halo 3 at this point. And man, there's one mission in that game that I hate so much. And it's the first time you have to fight the Scarab. And it's this big walkie machine thing. And you have to go up this stupid damn elevator. And you have to wait until the fucking thing comes close enough. And you have to jump on it. But the issue is that... Yeah, it's the fucking (laughs) waiting. I hate that shit. My, My partner hated it too. She was like, this is bullshit. Because like, first off, it would it did it once. And then if you missed it, it just never went back to the fucking space where you need to jump. And so you're like, what am I supposed to do? Like we ended up actually, because when we would miss it, we ended up just running off the edge and both dying. So we could checkpoint back to right before it would walk underneath. That's how annoying it was. But then we got to this nether mission, the Ark, And this mission is awesome. Cause this is the one where you're in like the desert level and you've got this, uh, you're in the scorpion tank and uh, then you fight a scarab, but you fight a scarab with the tanks. And then it's, and then it's like, yeah, this is the shit. Cause you get to like blow the thing up and bring it to its knees. I think you can technically blow the scarab in the first mission down with like rockets and get its knees down to the ground. But like, there aren't many rockets around and it's just, it didn't work. It was annoying. Um, so anyway, better players than me are probably like, Oh dude, it's so easy to fight the scarab, but it was annoying. Um, and it grounded. There was the some phrasing in there about blowing the scarab and getting it down to its knees. I'm sorry. Oh no. To bring this back on topic, it was friend of the uh, friend of the podcast Uve who was having the problem, and he yes. didn't have the benefit of his co-op partner being on the couch. It was like yeah. online. There were extra the extra complications. I'd actually say that this is like, I think this is at this point, it is the best co-op game that Susie and I have played together, um, in terms of like enjoyment and everything. It's just. Like, honestly, if you have a partner in the Master Chief Collection, oh, it's just really good. It's slow enough for new gamers to get into it. And then it's just fun if you, because I have nostalgia. I'm playing Halo 3 and I was like, dude, I played this in the 10th grade with all my buddies online. <laughs> and I'm like, I remember this game. Um, so it's a good time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm also playing Outriders. And I, I'm very impressed with this game. I still think, like, like, like you said last week, I think it's total bullshit that it's online always. Like, that's stupid. It shouldn't be. And it's a major knock against it, like, 100%. Um, but the game itself, I think, is better than some people give credit for. Because I had this moment in it um, the other day where I was playing this level. And I'm on, I was on World Tier 6. And I got to say, the grind from getting to the 6th tier to the 7th. Because basically, their difficulty levels are World Tiers. And it really encourages you to go to the next one because it's like hey you know 
if you try to get to the next world tier, you're going to get a whole lot of better loot and you're going to get a whole lot more experience. And it's like, it's going to be harder, but you're going to have more stuff. And so you're like, okay, yeah, I'll play on the harder difficulty. And it's like the first time where it like it, you know, and if you, if you find it too tough, yeah, sure. You can stay down and it'll be fine. You'll be able to beat the game for sure. But it encourages you nicely to interact with the systems. It's like, no, make the game harder, man. It's going to be fun for you. And there's like 15 uh, levels on it. So I'm on the seventh one right now. And I was on the sixth one. And oh my God, I was in this one fucking area where there's so many guys coming and they were all shooting the shit at me and I was fucking dying so many times. And I'm like, and I had this moment and this is actually a topic I want us to touch on at some point in the podcast, but gamer rage, like those moments where you're like, ah! and you just hit that because I don't get them very oh frequently, goodness. almost never, but I got hit with it hard. And I was like, what the fuck? Right? You know, that moment. <laughs> and the game would conveniently be like, hey man, you're dying a lot. Have you ever, have you like, checked if you have your best equipment gone up or have you like done the modifications or anything and i'm like shut up i'm gonna beat this <laughs> you know going but then I kept dying. In that vinegar situation. right i kept dying and then i was like okay i gotta try something so i was like right there's that upgrade system maybe i'll try that out and so i went over and then i was looking at the upgrades and realizing that it's like oh fuck right okay i can switch out modifications on my armor and my weapons that match up with some of the powers that I have and they'll enhance my powers. And so I was like, Oh, interesting. Oh, and I can level up my weapons. Oh, some of my weapons are actually at a lower level and Oh, I can improve rarity. And so I'm like, and so I really loved it because the game design actually encouraged me to use their other systems, which now I use their upgrade systems and I am dominating this game. <laughs> like no one could stop me now. <laughs> I've got a great combination going. Only the uh, servers can stop you now. But see, I haven't had any issues, but yes, the servers might stop <laughs> some people, which is so sad. But then I went back into it and it was still hard, but I was able to beat it. And what was nice is that sometimes I feel like I, I get to points like this in games and then the only solution is to cheese it, right? Like you just have to find a stupid strategy that works. But in this one, it was like, no, I had to actually find, I still had to do a few things that I was like, oh God, I got duck here and ah, I go there. But in general, it just encouraged me to engage with its systems deeper. And then it rewarded me in doing that by being able to, you know, beat that segment and like get better at that. And then it rewarded me by completing a bunch of other missions with some really intense loot. And I'm like, I'm doing good. I also have to say this game is way better. So Borderlands 3, for instance, that game has so much goddamn loot. I wanted to cry. It was just too much. And it's and you never know what you're supposed to keep because you're like, oh my God, there's so many guns. Is this a gun that I should keep? Because I'll never get one like this again. Maybe it's really good. I don't know. I'm going to store it. And I have like a hundred goddamn guns everywhere. And I like came and used one of them. And every three minutes, I'm looking at my inventory to decide which freaking guns I should use. Um, but Outriders does this. It's just, it does this great thing where it has the, the little numbers, obviously, and like the green marks. And it just tells you this one's better than that one. And it also allows you when you recycle your equipment they all have modifications. And when you recycle it, you learn the modification. So it's now a part of your like repertoire of mods that you can then swap into any weapon that you want. So it encourages mm. you to collect ammunition, to collect guns and to recycle the guns, get rid of them so that you can then like really kit out your entire like uh, uh, outfit kind of deal. And I just like it because I never feel like I'm given too many guns. I've never had to go through like a giant list. I only have like, or like even armor. Like I rarely ever have any inventory on me except when I'm wearing. And it just, it's just good. It just feels good. Everything works right. And it just, it's like the reason why I hate Divinity Original Sin 2. In Divinity Original Sin 2, I spend all my time in the fucking menu and I'm never playing the game. And in this game, they minimize all the time I spend in menus and it's most of my time to shoot motherfuckers. And that's why I'm here to play this damn game. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to fucking 
sort inventory, you know? Uh, so anyway, all to say is I'm, I'm actually far more impressed with the game than when I was originally, and I really want to go play it right now. That's what I want to do, but I have stupid exams. So anyway, that's me. That was a long one. So how about, uh, Paula, why don't you tell us? What are you playing? I've been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons. I got very, very lucky, and like it was like Monday or Tuesday. The turnips were like at double the value. So I got a, I got enough money to pay my loan, and now I just need to save a little bit more to expand like my storage on on my house on Animal Crossing. Drinks on Paolo, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that, like, in real life. But... <laughs> but, yeah, like... So, yeah, that's very much Animal Crossing. I haven't, like, been able to play it as much as I would like because I'm currently trying to make a replica of um, the Café Enchante Café in, in the game. It has been interesting trying to get everything I need, but I'm slowly progressing through through that. So the other game that I've been playing, it's another anime game, surprise! And it's Diabolic Lovers for the Vita. Again, fun patch in English. And, oh my god, this game. <laughs> <laughs> I already said that this was like, do you going into a house full of vampires and pretty much trying to side with one of them so she won't like pretty much die for, from blood loss or something like that. But, and the first road was like, it hurts so much that in comparison, every other vampire looks like a good guy to some extent, which is saying a lot because I don't actually like that character archetype that is the, the gender character. Hmm. But anyways, there's weird shit going on here, like even weirder than just a, a house full of vampires. I don't know how much in depth I can actually go with this without running into spoiler territory. I don't know if anyone cares anyway, but, but I finished... Uh, the second route, uh, Ayato, he's, I would still like this character to die in a fire, but the good thing about this route is that Yui actually, like, the, the, the protagonist, Yui, was able to, like, show, like, more of her true personality, and I, and I found, like, these couple of absolute truths that are, like, Kanato, there's, like, a special kind of help for that character. Hmm. Ayato, that is, like, this week's route, um, she, he's still a piece of shit. He can go die in a fire. But Julie, like, Julie is, like, one of the most... It's like, she's too good for this world. Mm. Like, it's one of those people that could perfectly, like, be a saint, a saint or something. Because she's she's just too good, too wholesome. And, and it hurts me that she's, like, in this situation so much. <laughs> But yeah, like the protagonist is pretty much like carrying me through the game right now. So yeah, like I'll report for all my Diabolic Lovers suffering uh, next week, probably, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> that just leaves you, Rick. Uh, so, oh, sorry, yep. Paula. You, why don't you do the transition? <laughs> oh, well, Rick, I hope you aren't suffering in a house full of bumpers. What have you no, been playing? I've, uh, I've been suffering in the Greek version of Hell, uh, in Hades. Uh, although... Mm. I'm close to finishing, so I'll save my thoughts on that for when I'm done with it. Because mm. my thoughts in progress are, have been much the same for weeks, which is, yeah. it's excellent. I sort of wish I didn't have to play it ten times to see everything, and I'll probably finish yeah. at one. 
And again, you don't have to look that smug about it. No, I, I agree with you, Rick. Like, your, your thoughts are literally what I think on the game. I'm just like, yes, I'm in full agreement with you on this one. <laughs> I saw this day coming. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad it ended up this way. Uh, I'm also not going to talk too much about all the multiplayer bollocks I've been doing. So, uh, and this, this is in the show notes as multiplayer bollocks. So, <laughs> this past week, uh, both Rocket League and Warzone have had season updates. So I've been playing a good chunk of those. Neither of the games have really changed a lot, but they sort of don't have to because they're still fun as a loop in their own right. I still play both with friends, with podcasts. They're nice, easy ones to sort of dip in and out of. You'll know if you like them or not already sort of thing. Um, And then I've had a few new ones that I've started. So I started Cosmic Star Heroin, which I know you played a bit of, Alex, and ultimately retired. About halfway through, I think. Initial impressions are very, very good. Yeah. So I, I like how they've streamlined the combat. So for anyone who's listening, there's no mana points. Mm-hmm. You don't have like an inventory of items. Your health completely restores after every battle. Items are... So everything's like on a, on a cooldown sort of situation. So your palette of abilities, you can use them normally once and then they're, they're gone and you have to defend to restock them. So they, there's an element of strategy about what you use when timing them with turns so each character every x number of turns will have like a i think they call it hyper mode or where everything's more effective anyway and items are once you've acquired them you've got them and you get one use per battle so it it, it's very simplified in that sense and that allows it to focus more on the strategy element of combat so i if I remember correctly, when you were talking about it, you said it's probably worth playing on the difficulty up from normal, uh, which is what I've done. Yeah. Um, the the beauty is you can change it on the fly. So if it does ever become a problem, I can drop it right down. And I mean, I've only played for sort of half an hour so far, but the challenge is healthy and in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really enjoying it so far. I think there were a few moments where I bumped down because there there were a couple areas where it just got a little much but yeah, it's definitely worth playing at that level. Yeah. The, on, the only wrinkle, and this is more just something where I need to work out if it's something where I'm going to hamstring myself if I do it, there's an element of stealth to the game. So the main protagonist is like a, a super spy for this intergalactic federation's like version of the FBI doing counter-terrorism whatever. All of the encounters are on the world map, or at least a good chunk of them. I, don't, I think there are a few random battles. I don't remember, honestly. Wow. Tune in next week and I'll confirm either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that are on the screen, they have movement patterns and you can move past them without engaging in combat. I haven't not engaged them actively yet because I suspect there's going to be an element of underleveling if I don't. I think that's... so. Yeah. What what I need to do is is have a, a quick shifty on Google while I'm at work or something and get an idea of of what the the curves like and whether I need to uh, need to make a point. For what it's worth, the game has like um, an in menu VR training type thing where you can just engage in battles and and grind for XP that way. So if it ever did become a problem, I can always do that. But that's a worry for future Rick because at the moment I've just beaten the first proper boss. Not comfortably. That was a good battle, actually. I, I just mm-hmm. about scraped through and I lost one of my two characters. So initial signs are very positive. We'll see more as we go. I'm also playing Donkey Kong Country Returns on the 3DS. I've tried to pick this up a couple of times and bounce straight off it because it is kind of punishing. 
Yeah. But this week I, I sat down and, and sort of had a proper moment of focus to try and understand the mechanics and the way it's going. Once you try and engage with it on its level, it actually not becomes a little bit easy, but makes a lot more sense. And I, I, I've actually played a few levels and, and gotten through them at this point, which is good. I'm not sure if I'll finish it. It's fine so far. Like, it's okay. The, it's, it's not particularly hooked me hmm. in any way. But it, it's not done anything especially wrong this time yet. So, again, we'll see how that one goes. So, You said this time? Yeah. So, like I said, I've, I've tried to play it a few times. So I've, I've had the cartridge for maybe 18 months at this time and have put it in the 3ds on a couple of occasions gotten part way through the first level and thought fuck this i don't really feel it like in the mood and then mm-hmm. ejected it immediately and moved on to something else mm. so this is either the third or the fourth time and it's actually stuck this time so how long that carries on we'll see <laughs> uh, it could end up being like pokemon soul silver which i'm also playing again where I play it for a little bit and then put it down and sort of avoid it for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, you guys might remember when I was last playing it, I had It and Bravely Default on the go and hmm. retired it to focus on Blave, Blavely Refall. Bravely Refall. <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, that was an excuse to put it down and, and not come back to it. And basically, I'm sort of bougie as fuck. I pick up, like, secondhand consoles. So I have a, a DS Fat... Hey. which was my Metro Prime pinball machine because it had the, the rumble pack in the bottom and has been sat for the past sort of seven or eight months on my desk with Soul Silver in it, just sort of screaming, play me, <laughs> every time I see it out of the corner of my eye. So I've, I've finally charged it back up and, and got it ready to go again. And I'm, I'm going to make a concerted push to sort of get back into it. And if I bounce off it, I bounce off it. But I would quite like to have beaten a Pokemon game. Even if it's just to be able to sort of say from an informed position, yes, kind of bollocks. <laughs> it, I, that's sort of where I was feeling when I put it down last time. And it, it, the impression I got, and to an extent I still stand by it, the Pokemon games don't hold up unless you played them as a kid. The RPG mechanics are very exploitable, kind of messy, not especially engaging. The Pokemon are fine, but it's like that collecting aspect that's interesting, not the actual gameplay or, or the combat or the anything like that also the the whole hm slave <laughs> situation is just what a fucking I relic you took game your own like. break your yeah. own bait <laughs> yeah yeah and another thing you're like why am i um, playing this game uh, but hold on hold on <laughs> can you tell us about the one because you said you you were playing this right before we started right this next one Yes, yeah. So the last game I'm playing, and this is one that literally at the time of recording released a few days ago for mm. the Vita. The Vita's getting still new games. What? <laughs> it is called Scourgebringer. It's a roguelike or light roguelite rather from the people that made Neurovoider. Uh, it's available on, on PC, PS4, Switch, various other stuff already. And the one caveat, and it's the same as Neurovoider on the Vita, there's functions mapped to the left and right back touch. So I've got the Vita back in my grip again to to do that. And again, I'm I'm bougie as fuck. I've got Cosmic Star Heroin in an OLED and I've got Scourge Bringer on my slim. So I've I've got two Vitas running. I'm uh, Paolo was dual wielding a switch as I'm dual wielding my Vitas. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually kind of when I start dual wielding my Vitas too because uh, of Psychedelica. 
Oh, because you'll have Diabolic on the go as well, won't you? Yep. There you go. So we'll both be dual wielding. We'll be we'll be square wielding, if that works. Dual wielding squared. <laughs> it worked in my head. Leave me be. Anyway, Scourgebringer is good, like really good so far. With the caveat that I've got a grip, so I've got like L2 and R2 buttons. I sort of wish they give you an option to sort of map. So like, for example, the map is mapped to the circle button. That could totally be select or touch a corner of the screen. And then you could move one of the one of the back functions to circle, and it'd be much less egregious. But that's somewhat besides the point. the The actual game is phenomenal. Quite tricky early doors till you get hold of the system. So you've got a normal attack which you can spam. Uh, you've then got a charge attack which stuns if you do it when an enemy's got like an exclamation mark above the head. Mm-hmm. It also I re- I discovered literally when I was playing a run before we started. It also deflects bullets, but you there's like a second cooldown between uses and you need to be kind of specific when you use it because there are certain enemies that will ruin your day if you don't. You also have a dash attack, but no iframes. And they're quite upfront about that. You can be hit while you're dash attacking. So it, it's very movement focused. The idea is that that you're sort of prioritize targets and, and ping around. It almost feels like a 2D version of like Arkham combat where you're constantly assessing and moving between threats. Visually, it's lovely. The pixel art is really good. A step even above what was pretty great pixel art to start with in Eurovoider. And the music is reminiscent of Mick Gordon's best work on Doom, both in terms of genre and in terms of the sheer quality of it. They also do something similar to what he did, where it's a dynamic music system. So it's quite muted when you're out of combat, when you get into combat, it ramps right up and it sort of moves to the ebb and flow, cuts out for half a second when you take damage, things like that. But it really, it's such a simple, small thing, but it really does a lot to pull you in. And and I've been making a specific point of putting headphones in just to sort of get the most enjoyment out of that music. So yeah, so far, I'm really, I'm really jazzed on the game. Um, it's, it's sat between an eight and a nine as as it stands. And I can see that, being yet another reason I don't spend too much time with Hades for another. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But we'll, we'll like see. In your heart. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Well then, shall we move? Yeah, on I, to... I was trying to think of a segue. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't have a good one. Let's, let's just jump. <laughs> I just jump us in. Yeah. So our topic of the week this week is: Do you feel like video games have gone downhill lately? So I feel like this is something we hear all the time. And I, you know, I, I find there are often two answers to this, right? Where people are like, yeah, they have, you know, back in the day, games were skilled based and, and now they're just so easy and stuff. Or then you have people who are like, no, everyone always says this. Um, you know, people always say that things have gone downhill and that's just not true. And I feel like both are unnuanced takes, right? I think there is, I think there's something to be said in the middle there, right? Where, um, uh-huh. And I mean, you know, even something like Outriders has some stuff that I think, as much as I enjoy it, there's live servicey stuff to it, right? That I feel like really kind of does go down a bit. And I, I think so, like, if we're going to talk something about the idea of, like, the quality of games as a medium in general going down, I think that's hard to give any... Do you know what I mean? It's so vast now. Like, there are so many games that release every month that it's like, I can't talk about it as a, as a whole but like i think games practices by especially by like companies at this point they feel like they're worse you know like yeah it depends from what though because if you mm-hmm. think like 
early 2010s, you've got EA trying to bring online passes in as a thing. Mm. You've got like codes in the box. I'd say if you if you're judging from there, things are infinitely better. But if you're judging from like the PS2 era, where everything was fucking on the disc and and mm-hmm. it had to be right the first time more or less better albeit that for all the negatives being able to patch stuff and keep stuff updated is for all my problems with the things that come with that probably a net positive mm-hmm. for content and, and gamers and everything else and I, I think you sort of touched on it just the breadth of what's available mm-hmm. i don't think you can look at that the kind of discounts that are on offer the value of services like game pass um humble monthly all the freebies you get on epic and and everything else it's hard to look at all of that and say games have gotten worse Uh like sorry go on yeah oh go on go on i was just going to say that there's definitely more of a tolerance for certain types of bullshit yeah than there ever was and i think that's the concerning thing and it's an interesting time to be talking about this just with the whole CMOS battery issue that's going on. Mm. Yeah. Because if, uh-huh. if you're talking about gaming getting worse, there's nothing worse than your physical media not working because your your box can't connect to a server that's been taken down. Mm-hmm. That That's straight up unforgivable if that stands and if, if that's not rectified. Albeit you can hack, but as we said on another topic a while back, that assumes that you have the time and the inclination to get that set up. That's no good for the average consumer who maybe wants to go and revisit Ratchet and Clank. Maybe they didn't pick up a PS4, but they want to play Uncharted again. Mm-hmm. Tough cheese. Your CMOS batteries died and uh, we can't authenticate you. So <laughs> no, yeah. it's not okay. It's so vulgar. Mm. Like, I was thinking like in the, how you respond to this question, mm-hmm. it depends like on how kind of gamer you are and how tolerant you are to like the certain business practices or how like what kind of games you like to play or like maybe you're like a fan or se- of certain games um the franchise itself has gone downhill but overall i think like there has never been a better time to be a gamer because there's even if you don't like uh what the um, bigger companies are doing there's always something in the in the side of things that will feel like it, it especially gathers to you yeah. because there are so many yeah games. i think yeah I, I'm, I'm with you guys on both those fronts i think something that really does though bother me a fair bit like i feel like there are there are a couple different types of gaming areas you know and like world of warcraft sort of created the concept that you can have a game that continues on and albeit that subscription model's gone absolutely nowhere yeah yeah. that that subscription model is kind of like vanished now right because people realize there's only so many big games that people want to pay a subscription for right which is world of warcraft and that's about it so um, and there's a couple of so many games that people are willing to pay yeah it's it's like the it's like the um the digital media uh, landscape right now like the streaming services there's only so many streaming services someone can uh buy before they're like i'm fucking done bruh. i don't want to buy more of these right um but the rise of like the season pass and the digital deluxe ultimate uh, super extra hardcore platinum edition like all this sort of shit the fact that it is so unbelievably standardized now like for instance even with like resident evil 8 there's like four types of that game that i can buy and i am full-on confused <laughs> as to what the shit 
any of the extra stuff is in any of them. They'll be like, oh, you can have boots for Ethan in this one, even though it's a first-person game and you can't see his feet. I mean, that's not a real thing, but uh, come on. That's things that you, like, see in games these days, right? And it's like, here's an extra, you know pack for your gun it's a, it's a skin pack oh you're gonna get a couple extra and then sometimes they give you things that actually break their games a little bit right like they'll be like here's a super cool yeah. sword for when you start the game and then you play it and you're like well now i don't want any of the other swords because this sword's really good and it's like why would you give me this <laughs> you know like yeah that started yeah. with uh with watchdogs with the Excel spreadsheet of which version gives you what and like yeah. if you oh my want God, i hated that so much <laughs> want our brand new characters iconic mm-hmm. cap this is the version you need and, and oh yeah yeah and i just i do think that is that is way worse than it's ever been and it's like i don't know if there's any going back from that right like sometimes i think companies are a little bit like oh yeah no no, no we're not we're not doing that as much now and maybe I don't, I don't know maybe game pass is helping a little bit because you see a game like outriders which is like oh we don't actually have to do microtransaction stuff because paid for our development so whoever buys the game, microsoft right uh but microsoft can't be the solution you know what i mean (laughs) like uh yeah let me boomerang that back at you though Hmm. has there ever been a better time to not play triple a because there's just so much other stuff if you don't want to deal with that bollocks play hades 20 pounds you got it all i I get you but i also don't think that we should accept that indie games make good games for why like for the shit that triple a games do because we should also get to enjoy triple a games you know what i mean like it's like I shouldn't have to say like, oh, Hades is really good, but I can't play the other one because they're still making money, right? So it's like, and then- there's, My point yeah. is more you can vote with your wallet without truly missing yeah. out in a way that maybe a decade ago you couldn't as easily. Because if you yeah. remember like Indie Dev, before um, Indie Game the Movie, Braid, Meat Boy, mm-hmm. Limbo, had died a death. Like the mm-hmm. idea of someone sat in their bedroom and, and making a game disappeared sort of between the n64 and the ps2 that it it just ceased to be a thing for sort of 10 15 years you know you you had the odd cave story you had the odd thing um and and that that ultimately is sort of the fallacy with the question have video games gone downhill lately because yes there are these shitty practices Hmm. that are becoming a thing but that's almost a a slightly separate question i think Hmm. the the worst time for video games is just behind us so it's almost like lately things have kind of been getting good yeah you know it's funny i because uh, i'm just a naturally cynical human um but <laughs> i talk a little bit there's like neoliberals and stuff too like you see these big kind of nasty trends come out like the really intense uh live service stuff like paying for everything the the marvel's avengers of the world um and you see them kind of and the anthems you see them come and crash and burn and often i you know my hope is like oh, the companies will learn, like, stupid model. Um, whereas oftentimes what ends up happening is that the companies go, well, we didn't do it right this time. How do we do it better next? And it's like, what new <laughs> gambling piece can we introduce that's not really gambling but sure as hell feels like it? You know, and I'm like, ah, these yeah. evil CEOs. But, yeah. Let I me mean, tackle to your hide here, then. EA have come out and said, because Anthem hit, like, cold sick, and Jedi Fallen Order actually sold quite well. Um, they're they're going to quote-unquote pivot. Whether that comes true, time will tell. Yeah. But maybe... Sorry, Paolo, I cut you off. Um, I forget. Oh, I was thinking like the monetization thing or how the publishers and developers make their money. It, 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 it really impacts how the game is 
design because mm. you want to push people towards your preferred method of um, monetization. Like, and I was thinking about something that I found really, really bullshit that is like, in, and I'm gonna sound like a broken record at this point because I was thinking about Persona 5. Oh, Persona 5, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> okay, sorry, crack on, ignore me. Again, I have a separate point to pick with how Genshin Impact does things, but for now, like Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal, like, you can actually, like, purchase access to, like, special, like, Persona or Demons from the previous games. Mm. And it was bullshit. And I think, like, for Persona 5 for y'all, if you bought, like, the all the microtransactions, like, in the in the first game, do you have to buy them again in the in the Royal? But I think they actually had to fix that because of the backlash or something no, like not, that. Not, not quite. So all of the original Persona 5 DLC was included in Royal. Where they got oh, shit, they did more. They did more DLC, yeah, for the that game the version of their game. That's not the complete package. If you want to talk about bollocks practices, I'm completely with you there. And this is what I'm saying. Like these things are just—they're so commonplace now that I think, like you said, we sort of feel like things are better because they're normalized. You know what I mean? Like it's like, um, I, sort of. I, that's that's only a part, maybe. Yeah, you know, because it's like, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think, like you said, I think the, the question is inherently flawed in the sense that like, obviously not like games are um, never been more popular. Um, in fact, the pandemic probably pushed games uphill a little bit. Um, and, you know, we're hearing mm -hmm. a lot more about um, developers experiences. And it's like, it seems like there's more drives for unionization, which is so great um, and all that good stuff. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. You mentioned, for instance, EA saying they're going to pivot, right? And I always like, Companies have said this before and they pivot for two years and then they get comfy and they go, God, I really would like to make a lot of money again. <laughs> and it's just like, you know what I mean? And they do that stupid thing, you yeah. know, and you're like, I mean, even look at like something like Crystal Dynamics, they were like focusing really beautifully on things like Tomb Raider and stuff. And then they're like, but guess we'll do Marvel's Avengers and we'll make a live service to get all that money, money, money. And you're like, oh, bro, stop it. In that exact accent, all of them, everyone yeah. in the office. Everyone in the office. <laughs> Let's get that money. <laughs> um, well, Square probably. I mean, most of the time the developers are like, oh, do we have to put that in the game? And they're like, yes, you do. And you're like, yeah. There's a special place in hell for like modern Square Enix. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if anyone else has anything to add on it, but like, yeah, I think in general, like you said, it's best time to play games. Games are simply getting better. They're simply, you know, evolving as a medium and becoming more accessible for everybody. Um, but at the same time, we're seeing a normalization of some kind of nasty practices that while in effect we can probably you know we don't have to buy into them they're kind of designed in a way that is so appealing that they get enough people to buy it right like i would wonder if you're not enmeshed in the world of video games if you're not just normalized to it because of the world of mobile where mobile is like oh everything you have to buy like that so when you transfer over you're just like yeah that makes sense of course i'll buy this extra little thing Uh, you know or if you're a kid oh, who grew up like, and everything's a loot box or a loot llama or whatever it is, and it's like, oh, that's just the way it works. I mentor a kid who's talking like, about how excited like a... he was to get his loot box that he got on Roblox um, for this new little like skin that he got, a skin for his gun. And he was so excited. Yeah. And what am I supposed to do? Crush his jeans and be like, bro, you just bought a fucking mystery toy. Like, I'm like, <laughs> but anyway. <Yes. laughs> exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Sorry, no, Paolo, but, yep, yep. Oh, yeah, or like the... Uh, MMO players uh, uh, kind of like find stuff like the 
live service games like Genshin Impact kind of normal. Mm-hmm. Because I actually had this conversation with my boyfriend because he likes to play like MMORPGs and I'm like, no, I like my game complete and be able to play it and I don't like being like well off the the, the part of the game I want to play very much. Yeah. But it seems to be like fairly normal in MMORPGs. So there are like people that are quite comfortable for on how Genshin, who that is like mainly a single player with a multiplayer uh, element to the to the game, they, they they are fine with how they monetize their stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, why? I know. Why? It just, it just makes me sad. It's just it's way too much capitalism in my games. <laughs> Like yeah. go away! It, it, it always yeah, comes or, back to capitalism. Oh, oh, oh. That's a whole other topic for a whole other. Yeah, product. or the or the thing that Nintendo did. Like I know, like I may sound like from time to time like an Nintendo fan or something like that, but I fucking hate the time limited stuff they. Oh my god! They did yeah. with the, with the Mario anniversary. Yeah, exactly. horrible. Oh, that I'm like, if this becomes a practice, I, oh, I'm like, I didn't buy that fire. Oh, it will. They sold like eight million copies of that game because people thought it was going to sell out. I mean, but I also think like, wouldn't they have sold eight million copies of that game anyway? But I guess uh, they probably sold more because of the time limit. But uh, they would have sold eight million copies eventually, whereas they got yeah. to sell eight million copies in six months. Yeah. Of games that you can emulate on like a toaster, Dolphin's really good. It's not hard to emulate those games better than they did. Yes. Like they left yeah. a box Mario sixty four. People working out their bedrooms have got that that shit playing widescreen. Yeah. It's not difficult. The game's from ninety five. I know. Like, um, that that game would have a mortgage if it was a person. You can make it running widescreen. <laughs> Actually, like well, you haven't me on these, but game. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like completely pissed if they do something like that with the um like they make like this Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask like back, but with the N64 versions. Oh, yeah, I'll lose my mind if that's what they are. But anyway. Uh, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> why don't we move on then from this one? We spent quite a while on this. This is great. So uh, arguably, we're like, they haven't really, but also grrr, capitalism. Um, so moving on to our next topic. This is the question. <laughs> <laughs> that's to sum up our whole conversation or basically everything uh. that I say on this podcast. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let's go to our question of the week from Elusara, who says, are there any game such moments where you put the controller down just to reflect on it? Something that the game just did right, that it always stuck with you. Um, I don't know about the last part, but the always stuck with me, but I had to think about this a little bit, and it's kind of from recent, because uh, little disclaimer, I have really terrible memory, um, and also because, like, frankly, I have dysthymia, and so, like, my long-term memory is not very good. Um, so I have a medical reason, everybody. So get off my back. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> My doctor says I'm allowed to forget. Yeah, my doctor says it's okay that I forget things. <laughs> um, but I played Last of Us Part Two recently. And like, you know, I've talked about that game and, and we all know there's flaws and stuff to it. But I got to be real with you. The end of that game, or like right near the end of that game, it was just a moment when my partner and I, we just kind of like put that controller down. And it was just like, and it really just like it hits you and 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 i would argue like whether you even enjoy it or not that game really has like some reflective moments in it that 
you know, on reflection for me personally, didn't stand up quite as much as, um, as they did when I first felt them. Like when I thought more about it, I went, wait a minute. But as <laughs> like, um, on a first experience, it was kind of like, whoa. And it's also like the last of part one, when you get the giraffes, I will admit the giraffe scene in last was part one. Get, God damn gets me. I mean, I remember my partner was watching me play and I was like, what's coming up? And I was like, Oh, Hey babe, watch this. And then she was like, Oh, like had that moment, right. Where it just really hits you. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. Those are two for me. What about, what about you? What about y'all? I have three that I've mm. written down. So I, I had to have a bit of a think as well. Um, mm-hmm. And there, there's two recent and one older one. So um, the first one is Ghost of Tsushima. And I know I've mentioned this on the podcast mm-hmm. a few times, but um, both of the times that that game like fucking broke me, I had to just stop and like take a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were the end of the Yuriko side quest and the, the full on ending of the game. Those moments were powerful. I, I, the more I think about it, the more highly I rate Ghost of Tsushima, both as a game, just generally mechanically, uh, particularly sort of going back to the legend stuff, but also just in terms of the power of that narrative and, and just how real those characters felt. I genuinely, for huge chunks of that game, forgot I was playing a game. I felt like I was experiencing a period of time with these characters, hmm. which is sort of crazy. On a lighter note, did either of you play? I think you played Phantom Hourglass, Alex, didn't you? I'm, I'm yep. certain you will have played yep. So you know that that puzzle where there's the map and it's like, oh, the map's got a thing. How am I going to get it on my map? And the, you, what you're supposed to do is close the DS as though you were like yeah. pressing it against it. Now, I didn't actually solve that puzzle. What I did is I looked at the screens for about five minutes, pressed every button, was scratching the touch screen, tearing my like 12 year old hair out. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this thing? Closed it, went away for a bit, came back and opened it and it was solved. I was like, what the Oh, and so like I had to process that. That was lovely. That was a nice little surprise for me. And then, and I'm going to be careful because both of you got this to come uh, in the best game made to date, 13 Sentinels. I get to him. There <laughs> is at the end of one of the character stories, or right near the end, there is a massive twist along with a fourth wall break. But it's done in a really clever sort of in-universe way. And it explains a few of the things that have gone on that either might not have needed to make sense or might have never needed explaining. And as it was going, I literally was running around my flat going, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. And oh, so good. So, so good. And, and I genuinely took a couple of minutes just like letting it sit and percolate. Nice. It was amazing. So yeah, those are those are my three. What about you, Pala? I'm trying to think because I usually like play a lot of like story focused games. So I have plenty of those times when I have to step away mm. completely. Some of the few that comes to mind. Some of my Euras mask. I can't remember the Oh yeah. Oh no! Oh no! I, I I remember. I remember. Okay. So you uh, have you played with your mask? I yeah. started it. Okay. I didn't finish it. <laughs> Alien mission. No, not clear. Sorry. Okay. Um, no, you're about, yeah. So there's yeah, like there's like this alien mission that um pretty much like you go to a, a Romani farm and mm. the in the first cycle you can't really like tell what happened but you know something happened there right and the thing is is that i can't remember like which part was it 
oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, you know, like the moon is falling down in Nayara's mask. But there was this scene, like, when you successfully um, prevent the alien Im- invasion in in the farm. And there was this one scene that completely cracked me, like, very badly. Because there's the Chateau Romani that is like the, the milk potion that like, gives you like infinite um magic power. Okay. That is implied that it's like alcohol with milk or some alcoholic milk or something like that. Hmm. And and Romani being like a, a little kid, like no she she she's not allowed to drink it. Mm-hmm. But if you say like they're in the third, I think it was the third afternoon of third night and Kremia, the big sister is like sending her uh, to sleep and she's and I don't remember which one says it but it's like oh um my, my big sister is like allowing me to drink this uh, just for tonight and he's like heavily implied that it's so she doesn't notice what happens mm. and that sent me bawling for a couple of hours and I was like I had this couple of hours of thinking of how really shitty the moon falling situation really was and how it was like affecting people because like up until now, like people were like just shouting about the moon falling, so didn't believe it. And then you reach this moment and it was like, holy fuck, no, I need to stop this from happening. So but your has like a lot of those little moments like to keep you going, to keep you like invested in this world. And there were like two other moments that I can recall from the top of my mind. One of Dual Destinies, Ace Attorney, near the end of the game. I won't spoil it, but I had to again close my 3DS and like ponder about how everything makes so much sense up until that point because it was like a combination of a fucking plot twist. And then a couple of hours later, it was like, oh my God, no. <laughs> and finally, and this was, I think this is the one that is most recent, is Café Enchanté. I actually was, uh, uh, I actually like told you this, I were on Discord. And I was like on the fourth route, uh, Eels route. And I got to the turning point of the route. And I was like, <laughs> fuck this. I am stepping away for a couple of hours to gather my heart and my frame both. No. And it was like, oh my god. Sorry if I'm becoming like less articulated as no, I that's fine. go further into these explanations. So yeah. I have plenty of more, but <laughs> I will give it that way. Otherwise I'm gonna be talking about like for the next few hours. I realized And after all the audience sorry, go on. Oh yeah, I realized we're like we're about to get to the game. I, I had two other ones quick. Short hike, just that end there got me real good. Um, that was lovely. I just mm-hmm. felt nice. And Hypnospace Outlaw, the ending of that game, really made me like just sit and watch for a little bit. It was really beautiful. It's really well done. And that's it. A short hike. I, I, yeah. There's a song in that. You know, the doom, 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 mm-hmm. doom, 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 doom. I may well have stopped and just let that play for a bit the first time that came on. Right? If I didn't, I should have. Because that song's been on repeat on Bandcamp yeah. for so long since. Uh... Well, shall we move on to everyone's favorite game, How Long to Beat? The game. Game. Um, game. Rick, I Everyone's believe it's waited your turn long this week. We it is indeed. Let's uh, let's roll that dice. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Ooh, very topical. Disco Elysium. Oh. Disco Elysium. Oh. Not, the, not the director's cut, though. I'm not sure how it's listed on the site, but it's this is just the the, the plain Jane version. Okay. Oh. Right. Just plain Jane is the version of that game can be anywhere. Yeah, because... Uh, this is, is a tricky one. Is there a different category for the director's cut one? Probably, right? I am going to, to be fair, if there is, it's only just come out. There's probably not been enough time for it to... Uh, yeah, probably not. God, this is going to really change. drive me nuts because I'm pretty damn sure I looked at this game's, like, times recently and I cannot remember what it is. We're being hustled. <laughs> ah! No, I don't think you are. I think I'm going to get this wrong, but... Oh, shit. It's like... <laughs> I could so like I could just I could just kind of see it in my brain, you know, like it's like just sort of there, but uh damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I'm uh, I'm swinging for the fences on this one. So, I've put 25 hours for main, 28 hours for main plus, and 52 hours for 100%. Yeah, you think it's up in there. Yeah, that would make sense to be way up there. Huh? Honestly, I just want that five-hour buffer. I feel like if there's any hope of me getting any points, I need that five-hour buffer. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. yeah. I am trying to think. Dangerous, that because... because... <laughs> I was like... Uh, um, I was not reading what the game was about, and it seems something like an unconventional RPG. So yeah, I'm like... it's a really cool game. Um, that I'm just You wake up as a policeman after like, a massive bender. And you're trying to like solve a case. That's all I know. Like to call it an unconventional RPG is the most technically correct, but also completely inadequate description <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> is it like, wait, is it like turn based or? Uh, it's a CRPG. It's a CRPG, yeah, but oh, it's a lot of dialogue stuff. I don't even think you have to fight. Um, it's. A little bit defies convention. <laughs> um, That's one way I put it. I'll tell you right now, this is on my must play. Like when this hits the Series X uh, with that Final Cut thing, like I will be buying it right away and playing it. Yeah, I'm pretty unsure with this one. I'm going 30, 35, 50 and a half because I just, I'm not really sure. I, I feel like it's in that 30-ish range, um, but I can't remember if it's in, because like I, I feel like it was close to, to high 20s in the first one but i'm not sure so okay i just love that you're not sure but you're like sure enough to have a half hour split on one of your tights oh no i'm just putting half hour (laughs) because i'm like often i've been screwed by the half hour i'm like you'd be banged on 45 hours and you screwed yeah i know right i I bet you anything it will be (laughs) Yeah, like I'm trying to think. Like it gives me like the vibe that is like a thirty length, like for main and main plus. Mm-hmm. But I read a little bit like on it says something about like twenty four skills and like customization or something like that. And I'm like, hmm, one hundred percent is probably collecting all that stuff. So yeah, but Depends I don't find it. Do you define one hundred percent is going through every route too? Like I don't know. Yeah, but uh, you also said something like, um, being a little bit like the, a lot of dialogue, I mean. Yes, there's a lot yes. Of and the new version is. So voice. I am wondering if there's a skip button because that could mm-hmm. affect the time a sure. lot. Mm. Well, thinking. you got to make a decision, girl. <laughs> yeah, no, don't pressure me. Oh, I no. will pressure. That's how this game goes. Feel the pressure. <laughs> 
Feel the burn. Okay. I'm going to put that half an hour there. Wow, we're all... Okay. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So, uh, I'm going to go like uh, 25 hours and 30 minutes because I'm going to trust that it's going to be like in the high 20s. 30 hours for the main... 30 hours and 30 minutes for the main plus and 45 because I am not quite... um. Like, I think it is a game that you can spend a lot of time on, but if it has a skip function, that could change the time of the game. Oh, like, Polly, you're more. making me nervous now. <laughs> I am nervous, too. Something weird me. Commit. Feel the pressure. There, 46 fine, hours. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, I'm going to go... No, please. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to go 25 hours. I'm going to go... 33 hours, <laughs> I think. And then... Uh yeah, what uh, what do I have here? Um, forty five hours for this one. Yeah. So they're main main plus hundred percent respectively. You're all locked in now. I don't care. All I'm right. gonna find out what this. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> oh, we've all fucked it. Oh no! Is that... it like a hundred hours? No, 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 no. We've all fucked it on the main plus. We overshot. The main story is twenty and a half hours. Oh, actually, no. Hang on. That uh, that means. <laughs> You're just in with a half hour. And yeah, what am I chatting? Right, okay. Main plus extra is 29 and a half hours. Come on, boy. Tell me what that last one is. I think you've just done it. Completionist is a 41 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> we, have in fact, there. we have in fact been hustled by Alex. <sighs> oh, I looked Damn at the time. I don't remember what they are. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, I 100% remember what the times were. I was I was really hoping that if I like overshot them to start that you would all just like go on the overshot list but then Paul is like not taking the bait so I'm like shit all right I gotta go down (laughs) as the people are saying disgusting disgusting hey now it's Rick and I are tied now um yeah uh 38 that's before your docked points for cheating but yes that's not cheating (laughs) it's not my fault that I looked at this game a long time ago (laughs) It's not just tests you've been revising for. You've been logging those HRVD times. And Honestly, sometimes I do just look at the site. And just like, I'm like, how long are these games? This could come up soon. I honestly thought, like, I'm just like, I don't know. Okay, I just hit the randomizer. I'm like, how long is this game? Interesting. And I just... oh, I'm imagining flashcards is what I'm imagining. Right? There's nothing against studying, right? <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> it finally paid off, though. I mean, honestly, it hasn't paid off very much. <laughs> I'm being real. <laughs> I'm not, I'm I can't help myself because I gave him the idea to lower the time. Oh, wow. Oh, that was my plan the time, Paolo. But um, <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Things, things are finally picking up. You yeah. picked our TV scores. Uh, Paolo is close on our heels on 35 points. Alex and I now both neck and neck on 38. Yeah. So Anyone's as game. it's been for a few weeks now, yeah, one week can change everything. I mean, we don't know when this ends, but it's anyone's game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See you later. Oh, everyone. Take it easy, folks. Later.